Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Chirletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Coming to you today from a hotel room in Nashville where I'm stranded waiting to get a flight home. Joining us today from Portland, Oregon, which is his home, is Bill Pawanka. Bill is the Chief Marketing Officer at Xtero. And today we're going to be talking about a bunch of privacy issues. Bill, first, thanks for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Uh, thank you for having me, Adam. It's uh, nice to reconnect with you after all these years. You too, you too. Uh, for those who don't know, Bill and I had worked together like eight, ten years ago uh, on a project. So let's talk about privacy. Um, you have something I found very interesting that you've noticed that there's a difference that needs to be made more conscious uh, for people between compliance and consent. Uh, what's the difference to your mind between the two? Um, you know, I think it's fairly, at least in my opinion, obvious, and I, I would expect our audience to to kind of understand this at a very basic level. But I mean, from a privacy perspective, consent is very specific around um, are you are the people that you're with whom you're interacting, your consumers, your employees, whomever granting you consent to have their data and do whatever you're you're going to do with that data and you you know consent you need to spell out what are you doing with the data how are you using it are you sharing it are you not you know that sort of thing but um, from a compliance perspective i mean obviously it, it's much broader than that even in the privacy world um, there are so many other aspects of privacy that go beyond consent for example data subject access requests um, or DSARs, where that's not necessarily consent, but it is absolutely a critical part of complying with the various global and, and uh, US privacy laws. So on a day-to-day -day basis, aside from misunderstanding the two, how do organizations typically get that wrong? I mean, are they giving people wrong choices to make or are they not handling the data properly you know I, I actually don't think necessarily that that organizations are getting it wrong what i would say is what we've seen in a lot of places is a misunderstanding of what consent is meaning that i think for so many of us we're so conditioned to the pop-up banner on the website you know, asking for consent to um, place a cookie on your your computer and, and track you and that sort of thing. But consent is so much more than that. If you think about all the different places where organizations collect data um, that are not the internet and aren't web. I mean, even if you think about applications on a smartphone or, or tablet, apps don't have the concept of a cookie. So what organizations need to do is understand that they need to recognize the consent signal that their consumers or their employees are, are sending in all the different areas where they're collecting data, whether that's in, uh, in app, uh, on, the web, on the website, in a store, in, you know, through, uh, registration cards or or forms. I mean, we're, we're collecting personal data in many, many different areas. And the laws are requiring you to under, to, to uh, honor the, the 
consent request of people in all those different channels. And there's so many of them. I think we lose track of the fact, like, you know, these devices we interact with all the times in healthcare settings, there's just tons of data collected on individuals as they're strapped up and connected to so many different things. So in light of this risk, what should organizations be doing in addition to reorienting their thinking? I mean, on the consent side, I would be looking for a program that you know, that identifies all the different venues and communication vehicles and, and whatever of where you're collecting information and interacting with uh, your consumers and ensuring that you are complying with the consent laws in each of those different venues. And, you know, there's technology and there's process and there's people that go into this, but I would start with ensuring that your consent program is not just the checkbox of, well, we're, we're getting consent on the website. Um, and it goes beyond that so that if, you know, in a healthcare perspective, if somebody comes into an office and signs a form and uh, indicates, you know, a desire for how you're gonna treat that information, is that signal also detected in the other areas like the website or, or other places? And there's a lot of those places. Now, we, we've talked about consumers, but you tip me off that people need to start or thinking about their own employees as well and their data. Is that correct? Yeah, 100%. And I would, I would say that it's a little bit different than the consent part, but it's absolutely part of compliance. If you think about GDPR, you know, when it went into effect, there was a part of it that said, you have to give consumers and in GDPR employees the right to ask you, what data have you stored on me? How are you using that data? And ultimately also, I'd I want you to delete that data. Um, and, you know, for consumers, it might not be terribly difficult. If you think about the process, well, okay, you have to have a way to take in the, the request. And then you have to be able to verify that the person is who he or she says he is. Because if Adam contacts, uh, you know, an organization says, hey, I'm Bill, and the organization sends Bill's information, you clearly have just... Uh, perpetrated a breach on yourself, right? After that, you need some workflow to be able to say, okay, well, if this is consumer, I'm gonna send it to the, per the people in my organization who are responsible for responding to, to consumer requests. But if it's an employee, it probably should go to HR who have the authority and the training to ensure that they're, a and the, the ability to see sensitive data like salary or health or that sort of thing. But the difference is when you think about it, where you're storing consumer data is probably fairly limited, right? There's probably a couple of databases, you know, um, that where there's this information is stored, you might, you know, to be 100% compliant with the letter of the law, if there's emails going back between the consumer and say somebody in your support organization, or maybe there's an online chat, there's some personal data there that you would need to do, but it's not, it's pretty well con, uh, confined. But if you think about employees, think about all the different places where employee information is stored in your organization. It's not just 
you know, your HR application and databases. You've got Microsoft Teams sites or SharePoint or Slack channels or Google Docs or um, email. You've got uh, instant messaging. You've got documents where uh, PII is part of the metadata of who's authored that information. You've got spreadsheets. I mean, there is employee data everywhere in your organization. And one of the things that we've seen in, in the UK is um, one of the first things that happens after a termination is uh, employee uh, data subject access request. And it's being used as kind of the first step in a negotiation for how can I get a, a bigger severance? Because there are uh, set timelines, depending on whether you're talking about California or uh, some, one of the countries uh, subject to GDPR in, in Europe or Canada, China, Brazil, wherever these national laws exist, you only have a certain amount of time to respond to those requests. And it can be incredibly time consuming and difficult to pull that data out. As an example, we uh, had one of our clients share a uh, subject request with us. It was four pages and had 58 different line items of data being requested um, uh, that, uh, for this employee. And in, in California with CCPA and, and now the, the modification with CPRA, CCPA only covered uh, consumers, but the plaintiff's bar argued very, uh, or lobbied pretty strenuously to include employees. And I absolutely expect that we'll start seeing uh, an influx of data subject access requests. Um, and then after that, lawsuits because um, it's going to be very, very difficult to comply. And I'll, I'll add just even a, a further complication from a compliance perspective. If the person says, okay, you've got all this data, I want you to delete it. You have, you know, you have to, with, with some caveats, one, you know, does it have uh, ongoing business value? But two, is it under a uh, retention obligation from a competing law regulation? Or three, is it under a legal hold because of ongoing litigation? And if your organization isn't set up where compliance and legal and privacy um, and legal operations are all working together and have the visibility in the data, it's going to be very, very difficult to ensure compliance with the various laws. It sounds like quite the nightmare uh, to do because, you know, as you point out, you know, employee, especially a long serving one, there may be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of documents that their, their name is attached to from CC lists on all the way to things that they've sent. Now, I yeah, hate to me, ask let me interrupt and, 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 and throw one yeah. more complication there. If, if some, if you were to ask for all of the emails between the two of us, I can't just send you those. I have to redact out all of my PII, which is, you know, my email address and maybe my signature with my phone number and all that. So it's, 
it, it, you know, the redaction and the review part of this data adds a whole another level of complexity and uh, time commitment. Yeah, that's an incredible amount of time to be asking for. So in the minute or two we have less, I, I hate to ask this question because it's a scary one. Um, what's coming next? Well, we, you know, the 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 thing in the United States is there will be more and more and more state level uh, privacy laws. Um, just what this week, Texas enacted one. I think Florida just did. Uh, I think Oregon is getting close. Um, and while they're all modeled mostly like one another, there are nuances that, you know, from a compliance perspective, you need to understand because um, they're not 100% the same. And it's not clear that the US will ever get to a national federal privacy law that supersedes all the state laws. Scary, scary to think about. Uh, uh, if you think about all the variations that are possible between the states. Well, Bill, thank you for sharing these insights with us today. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.